0: chapter 21 of miss Inglis by gertrude hall this LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by matt Perard. chapter 21 late that night after all sounds in the house of feet withdrawing to sleeping quarters had died away the door of grace's bedroom opened without a premonitory knock rebecca stood on the threshold she was in the summer soak of the evening and had not taken the cherry ribbon out of her hair her coming was so unusual that grace half undressed and Sita, already in bed looked at her with a certain tension waiting to hear what she wanted her eyes were gloomily lustrous beneath the habitual frown the pout of her lips was disdainful as usual but expanded nostrils gave a hint of some emotion at work the character of which was not revealed Come into my room, Grace, will you? she said, more like one demanding than one making a request. I want to show you something. Can I come, too? Can I come, too? cried Sita, and, in a fever of curiosity, jumped half out of bed. No, snapped her cousin, turning to leave. Grace pulled on a wrapper. A stir of hope was in her heart because of this simple-seeming event, which wore the face to her, of something good happening at last. Rebecca was going to show her some ordinary girl thing, probably. A hat or dress she had just bought. The lateness of the hour has never formed an obstacle to young women who wish to show one another a hat or dress or his photograph. The important point was that Rebecca must have felt an impulse to express friendliness, and was taking this naive way of making a beginning her brusqueness covered a pardonable embarrassment. The smothered, trembling regard that Grace harbored for Rebecca was reinforced on the way to her room by a kind of confidence inspired by the straight young back and proudly set head going before her. After she had closed the door, Rebecca said, pointing to a chair near the window, Sit down. As she turned off the only gas jet, till it was the size of a sapphire in a ring and then pulled another chair to the same window grace understood that the promise to show her something had been a pretext to bring her where they could talk she was waiting with too great interest to see what would be the subject of their conversation to try to forecast it rebecca leaned on the window sill with her head projecting into the soft june night at the darkening of the room the nocturnal out-of-doors had become relatively light street lamps reddened the house-fronts and made the stars of the far-away sky look blue and tiny almost invisible grace examined the outlook with greater care to see whether it had anything unusual to account for rebecca's absorption no the front stoop the iron gate wide open to-night the sidewalk with its lamp-post the deserted street the houses across the street as rebecca had brought her there for a purpose she had only to wait grace reflected for this to unfold meanwhile it did not seem to her the occasion for tentative small talk on her part her wonder at the prolonged silence was taking the quality of mystification when her companion spoke i want you to see who goes out of this house I don't know how long we may have to wait. The silence that again came to be was indefinably different from the silence before. After the length of time it would take to revolve with care the words last heard, a voice issued from the slimmer of the two shapes in the window frame, which had a proper sound of character and control, even a commendable coolness. Will it interest me? I don't know came from the bulkier shape, in a small burst of impatience at being required to bother with fine discriminations. The voice added, after a moment, but it will open your eyes. After another interval, Grace said, quietly enough, Tell me whom I shall see coming out of the house. Can't you wait? asked Rebecca, in a tone of reprehension for the evil vice of curiosity. You said there might be a long time to wait. All right, I'll tell you, and then you'll get proof with your own eyes that what I tell you is true. You'll see a person that I let in the house myself an hour ago. Why did I let her in? Because the servants have orders not to. She's my best friend, and called it a matter of life and death to have a talk with Uncle Red. So I smuggled her into his room, where he couldn't help coming in the course of the night, and where she's now having her scene with him. The words came forth, with an effect of ferocity, poor substitutes for knives, aimed by a desire to stab. There was dead stillness after them, as if the victim had been adequately struck. But presently it was as if the victim rallied and spoke, after all, without sign of discomposure from the blow. You mean Mrs. Finn, don't you? Grace asked. Yes. Has he told you about her himself? No. After another pause for reflection, why are you telling me about her? Because she's my best friend, and as I feel in my bones what he's putting her through downstairs, it struck me I might be getting in a little fine work up here. He's in love with you fast enough. Oh, He's in love with you now, but I can do some good. You won't be ideally happy when you know he was just as much in love with her, and more, less than six months ago. Daughty about her, and he's treated her like dirt. Rebecca's voice had the defensively aggressive ring of a child's bragging of doing wrong. The news with which she thought, presumably, to startle Grace, fell on no unprepared ground. It seemed to Grace that she had known this already. She felt it vital to get a just comprehension of the situation, and asked, How had she treated him? Oh, Grace Finn is a beautiful woman, and she's spoiled. They always are. Rebecca's voice changed to defiantly exculpating. She wasn't careful of his feelings as far as making him jealous goes, but after all, He'd sworn about devotion. She never supposed, but she could bank on something. He went off to the West Indies in a fury with her, and when she was looking for him to come back in a better temper and was prepared to forgive him, he turned up whistling and engaged to you. We all supposed it was a way of getting square with her, till we saw you together. Then we gave it up. It was too mysterious. Was he engaged to Mrs. Fenn? He wanted to be. He pleaded to be. It amounted to his being engaged to her, don't you know, without her being exactly engaged to him. She's always been a beauty, I told you, and used to having her own way. She went so far, anyhow, as letting him go ahead and buy a house and fit it up for her, the house that's going to be yours. But she didn't consider he had any right to make a fuss if she went to dine and to the theatre with another man. She's a spoiled beauty, I've told you already, but she couldn't have believed, could anybody, that he would come back in six weeks, hating her just as much as he loved her before. And no pretense about it. Can't tolerate the sight of her. It's genuine, I see it, and tell her so, but she can't believe it. Now he spits on her. She thinks he's the only man she ever loved or meant to marry. She thinks he's only pretending about you to hurt her, because his hate is only a different kind of love. And when he paraded you at the party with the pearls on you that she'd thrown back at him in their last quarrel, it didn't look like it, I own. But I know better. I knew it was only Uncle Red's nature not to miss a chance to get a knife in. It wasn't love in disguise, but she's been possessed with the idea that if she could only get at him by themselves for a minute and explain plead everything would come right again he's been sending back her letters unopened he won't let her come near him so i finally agreed to help her because she's fretting herself into a sickness when she's seen for herself that it's no use she'll start in to get over it she promised to make a sign when she came out a sign of joy if she's won him back but if i hadn't been dead sure of the outcome i don't know that i'd have helped her i don't want her to marry uncle red know him too well you can have him you hate him very bitterly that is not as likely to make us clear-sighted for the good in a person as for the bad is it i've known him all my life how long have you known him to this simple question put mockingly the change that followed appeared due. Grace dropped the sword with which she had been fencing, and threw herself on the generosity of her adversary. Rebecca, in this night's revelation of herself, had not been judged fit for hatred. Grace believed her honest, and, if very unkind to her, still unkind to her in the way of being true to the other Grace. Ignorance, dire, abysmal, ignorance in the things of the spirit like that which would ensue in the world of sense from the lack of two out of the five senses ignorance in some measure excused her wickedness instead of drawing back and replying haughtily to rebecca's ironical question grace bent forward to come nearer to the enemy and making her voice softer spoke humbly propitiatingly i will tell you the truth rebecca i have not known him long enough to wish to marry him so soon as the wedding day is set for you have perhaps noticed that lately there has been a little trouble between us we've all noticed it but we've only got to see your faces both of you to know it won't amount to anything what's it all about anyhow i had rather not tell the reason of our difference but I will tell you that I have been wanting very much to have the marriage put off, and to go away for a time, but I can't seem to accomplish it. The things you have just told me make me wish, naturally, more than ever, that I could go away, but they don't want me to. Claire and Teresa don't want me to, and they won't let me. And it happens that, at the moment, I am without money, or I should not have to wait for their consent." If I had my fare to Wealaca, in Florida, where my sister lives, not for twenty-four hours longer would I remain here. Nothing could keep me. If you would let me have the money to go, Rebecca, lend it me, I mean. If you would show me this friendliness, I should cease at once. To be a source of anguish to your beautiful friend, Mrs. Fenn, she would have a free field. You're bursting with jealousy, are you? Good work, cried Rebecca, harsh as a cockcrow, coming to disturb some flattering morning dream. But you're mistaken. I don't want you out of the way. I told you, I don't want Grace Fenn to marry Uncle Red. No, I thank you. To get him twice in my family, when once is too many. Then I care too much about Grace. Uncle Red's got a mean, cruel streak in him. You'll find out no everything's for the best marry him and take him out of the house all i wanted was to drop a spider in his cup of happiness for future use this quarrel of yours will blow over but you won't feel as contented and safe in your marriage as if you didn't know he'd been doughty about another woman just before you came and could be doughty over you one minute and willing the next to see you chopped on a chopping block "'and the pieces thrown to the dogs. "'You won't be so glad when you know what you're really getting.' "'If I could believe,' Grace was heard breathing quickly "'from no uncertain emotion. "'If I could believe, Rebecca, that you are in earnest "'and are not doing this because you are in torture over your friend downstairs "'and made reckless of what harm you do, "'I should think you were just as cruel, as malignantly cruel, "'as you call your Uncle Red.' i should think it a family trait what harm have i ever done to you oh you came and got yourself in the way and you've made me sick with your airs and affections i have i know i've been sorry i haven't known how to help it and for things that are not my fault you want just as far as you have power to make me wretched for my whole life if that is not cruel if that's not mean, I don't care what you call me, and I don't care what you do. Even if I wanted to lend you the money for your fare to Florida, where'd I get it? I haven't got an allowance. We have accounts at all the big stores, but Pa doles out spending money to me. There's rowing about it the whole time. I'm always without a cent. Besides, they'd find out. You're not afraid of them. Not afraid of them? Not afraid to work against Uncle Red, ain't I? You don't know Uncle Red. I've told you already, and Aunt Teresa is right there, like another of him. All she knows in the world is Brother Red. Let her see he wants a thing. She gets it for him. Let her see he wants you, and she's ready to feed you to him like a little pink radish. She hated Grace Finn because she kept him dancing and she loved you because you were a sweet revenge. She pretended to think anyone in the world could see you were ten times superior. She made it out you were a feather in the family's cap, and a whole cap of feathers on Uncle Red's head, in the eyes of the people that had seen Grace Finn make him look small. Of course she was pleased with you. And of course he won't let you get away. I shouldn't like to be the one responsible for your escaping.' What would he do to you, Rebecca? I don't know. But if you think he'd just let it go, he'd do something devilish, never you fear, if it was only to scare me to death, like poor Uncle Miles. See here, don't you dare tell about tonight, or I'll do something in that line myself. I won't tell, Rebecca, but not because you threaten me, not because I'm afraid of you. For if you are afraid of them, don't you see, you're no better than I for courage and strength. Rather worse, because suddenly, I swear to you, I could burst out laughing. I am so little afraid of you all. The thing is too funny, too fantastically vulgar and ugly. It doesn't belong to real life. I laugh, you see, but that you're anxious to do evil in safety surprises me. Rather, in you, because I had imagined, before seeing you near to, that you were a different kind of girl. Bold, you know and generous. It was some notion of romantic fitness, I suppose, clinging to me from the storybooks I have read. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I know what I am about. I know Uncle Red. You don't. Uncle Red does what he wants to. He gets what he wants. He gets it. That's all. He's always got it. Teresa brought him up like that. He didn't get it with Grace Fend, and see how he's catching up. If you think Uncle Red lets go or gives in, don't you be deceived. And if it looks as if he were giving in, look out, for he isn't. Then particularly, he isn't. Hush! I heard the door click. She's coming. Pull back out of sight. Rebecca leaned eagerly forth, and Grace, her heart throbbing with the strength of her emotion, looked downward from the shadow of the curtain. The street lamp lighted a figure in black descending the steps. As if reminded, it stopped halfway, and, twisting backward, raised a white face to the window where Rebecca was stationed. It was recognizably the beautiful Mrs. Fenn. After one small flap with it as a sign, she pressed her handkerchief to her lips, while a convulsion ran over all that remained visible of her face with the other arm she made a desolate gesture eloquent of failure she hurried to the sidewalk and with the weighted trembling feet of one struggling in a bad dream ran down the street they watched the knot of her luminous hair as it diminished and went out rebecca breathing through clenched teeth turned from the window damn uncle red she came out burningly oh damn him I wish something, the most awful that could, would, happen to him. I hope he'll have some disease. I hope he'll have some accident. Wish his horse would bolt with him and break his neck. No, I wish it would drag him along the ground and spoil his face for him. Grace Fenn would get over her infatuation then, and so, I guess, would you, Grace Inkelis. You! You! her intensity... "'increased as her imagination entered fields even more rewarding. "'I wish something hideous would happen to you. "'Wish I could stamp my foot and make the ground open to swallow you "'while his heart is good and bound up in you. "'That would give him a wrench. "'That would get Grace Fenn even with him.' "'Her wrath fell suddenly. "'It was difficult, in the darkness, to tell why. "'I don't mean I wish you any harm for your own make.' sake, this minute, she took up, as if weary from her own passions. This minute, I don't. I'd be willing to help you, if I could, this minute. But it's true that I haven't got the money, and don't see any way of getting it without their finding out, and it's not a time when I want to get into a family row. I've lost my nerve, somehow, this last year. Her wrath flared again. Why on earth should I get myself in hot water for you? What business of mine is it? Good night, she said dryly. I want to go to bed. She turned up the gas, and the illumination of the room formed as clear a sign of dismissal as turning it out would ordinarily do. End of chapter 21